You're listening to the Digital Introverts Podcast, a show where introverts share their success and failure stories and discuss how they thrive in the digital age. I'm your host, Godwin Chan. Let's begin. Episode 18 of the Digital Introverts Podcast features James Mulvaney. He is a successful entrepreneur and over the past 10 years has built multiple internet companies plus a property portfolio and has made a range of angel investments in startups. Having actually never had a job in his life, James started his first business when leaving school. He is the founder of Podcast.co and Radio.co, two companies doing pioneering things in the online audio space. Let's get right into it. Hello and welcome to the Digital Introverts Podcast. Today we have James Mulvaney here from the UK. Welcome to the show. Thanks for having me, Godwin. How's it going? <laughs> Sounds good. And, uh, you know, thank you again for, for uh, you know, agreeing to take, take me up on this. And obviously we met through this platform called matchmaker.fm. And it's a, it's a place where podcast guests, guests and hosts can, can connect and uh, be on each other's shows. And, uh, and again, like I've been making quite a few connections over the past few or a few weeks on, on the platform. So thank you again for that. No problem. Fantastic. Um, yeah, so, so really wanted to get into it and uh, to really know your, or get to know your opinion on kind of what do you think about the concept of, of digital introverts and, and what it means to be an introvert in this day and age or the digital age. Yeah, I, I think I'll, I'll kick off just by saying, you know, um, I think, you know, nowadays I, I'm a totally different person to the, what I was when I was a kid growing up. You know, I started my business at a really young age. I was 16, 17 years old. And I spent a lot of time really just hiding away behind my computer, you know, just learning my craft. And, you know, I, I had friends, but I wasn't really that outgoing. You know, I wasn't, I was kind of a bit of that awkward kid in the social, social situation. And, you know, like, I think when I went, went off to university, it probably gave me a bit of a boost in terms of, you know, I remember going into like, student parties and to start off with you know you stood in the corner like oh what do I say who do I speak to but I think the idea of being in a digital introvert I think I can definitely resonate with that story because I don't think I would be where I am today if I hadn't you know in those you know early formative years really just throw myself into the internet learning how to build websites how to make money online and just kind of being that kid who was a little bit nerdy and a little bit kind of hiding away in, in the corner of his bedroom behind the computer so I think you know, now, um, certainly how, how you sell products, services online has changed a lot. Personal branding is a big thing. Obviously, we're talking on, you know, this podcast right now. I make YouTube videos. So really, that's all kind of quite kind of extroverted type of stuff, isn't it? It's like, you know, you've got to put your best forward. You've got to put yourself out there and, you know, try and communicate as best you can with potential customers, and get people on, on board. But, you know, behind that, you've got to, you've got to work hard to, to, to achieve these goals. And a lot of the time, some of your best ideas, I think, as an entrepreneur, are just when you're just sat working away on your own. And especially the thing, the, this, this thing of going into lockdown has been an interesting eye-opener for me because I think when I started out, it was me on my own. I didn't have a team for, for a few years. I spent a lot of time just literally working solely on, on stuff. Uh, I had an office. I used to go to the office for a while. You know, I'd be on my own in there. And before that, I was in my dorm room at university or, my pe- you know, my bedroom when I was still living with my parents. And now, you know, on the flip side, well, we haven't been in the office, you know, since then, obviously, I've grown a team and I'm very used to being amongst people every, all day, every day. 
And it's weird because I feel like I've done this full 360 because over the past few couple of months, you know, it's just been me. I'm sat here in my spare bedroom, just feels like going back 10 years kind of thing. And, you know, I think there's some positives and negatives that I've taken from it. I think certainly it gives you the ability to focus and, um, you know, you haven't got those sort of day-to-day distractions that you might have when you're working in a, in a team environment, people coming up to you and asking questions, getting called away for meetings. So, for example, at the moment, I've, I've set myself this challenge to get booked onto 30 podcasts within 30 days. This is number 27, I believe. Oh, well, uh, Ellen, okay. <laughs> yeah, so, so we're nearly there. I'm going to probably be close to 40, actually, by the end of the period. But what's interesting is I would have never have been able to do this uh, should, I, should I be in the office still, because there's just too, there'll be too many distractions, there'll be too many things, and just trying to squeeze this all into my diary amongst everything else would have been very, very difficult. I guess that it's really interesting how you come across. It's basically full circle in a way. Right? Yeah. And, yeah, uh, yeah. you know, I, I guess, like, there are a lot of uh, form or... or, or kind of follow-ups I, I want to address but I guess like the first one really is what do you think is the main kind of difference between you know working for you know by, by yourself and, and, and for yourself versus um, having a team around you you know I guess like over the years you know through your entrepreneurial journey how's that going? yeah well I mean I think you know for me having a team has, has always been important and you can't scale a business I don't think really without a team and also you can't be good at everything you know I used to when I started out I wrote code I was the marketing guy, I was the customer support guy, I was the sales guy. And, you know, I, I, was, I was sort of a jack of all trades, master of none. As soon as I started hiring, say, developers, I realized that I actually I wasn't the best programmer in the world. I kind of learned the basics. I learned a bit of PHP. And, but now, now I haven't written any code for, say, about eight or nine years. You know, you need that team around you to, to scale a business. However, obviously hiring people, especially when you grow beyond, so I have about 34 in the team now. You know, I think the sweet spot for me was like when it was probably like 10, 12 of us because it was kind of, we were really close near, everyone knew each other. And it was just like, when you, when you start going beyond sort of 20, 30 people, you start having kind of more, you have to think carefully about who you're hiring and, you know, not everyone can know each other on that kind of, that way because you have different, everything sort of becomes a bit more departmentalized and then there's communication issues between departments. So I think, um, you know, it presents interesting challenges along the way as you, as you start growing. But, you know, when I look back at the days when it was like, you know, eight, 10 of us, it was great because we were all in the same office. Everyone knew what was going on and it was just like really fun. So I think what, is, what this has taught me, though, potentially, I've always been very much just like I need to be in there in the office all the time to make sure that everything, you know, I'm in control of the situation and physically by being there with my team means I'm in control. Whereas what this has taught me is actually that's not the, the case. You know, I can be working remotely which is something i've always liked the idea of you know you see these people going off and working on like beat on the beach on their laptop for example and i've always thought well i could never do that because you know i need to be in the office i need to be you know on you know on top of everything in, in control but actually what this has taught me is this is not the case you know i, I can probably run the business a little bit more in a distributed way uh, without necessarily having to be in in the same place all the time Right. And definitely, you know, having such a worldwide kind of event force, you know, a lot of people to this kind of newer lifestyle that they may not have been used to, right? Is yeah. uh, something is obviously there, there's an adjustment period there, but I think there will be kind of a general improvement or just a gradual tendency towards that, you know, you know in general that, you know, hey, maybe obviously physical spaces are so important and, and in-person 
uh, meetings and things like that are, are mm. will still happen. But it's just do we have to do be in the office all the time? Right? Is yeah. be the question that a lot of workplaces will have to ask. You know, especially on the men you know, on the management level. You know, it, it really comes down to how people want to work and and you know what's the most efficient way of getting things done. Again, that's the that's yeah. The I think that's the thing, you know, there's definitely going to be a shift and a change in the pattern of the way people work moving forward, for sure. Certainly, I'm now considering, do I really want to continue being in the office nine to five every single day? Or do we want to have much more of a flexible environment? And I think, yeah, I'm really leaning towards the latter, giving people more autonomy on whether they come to the office or not. I think you're right that there's still going to be an importance in having that physical space because there, there have been, for example, communication issues over the last couple of months. You know, it's not the same, you know, we, you know, we rely a lot on chat on Google and obviously email and, and we're doing lots of, you know, hangout meets calls and zoom calls and all these sort of things, but it's just not the same, is it? I think when you're trying to kind of problem solve or come up with cool ideas, that there's nothing that beats that kind of face-to-face interaction. But then again, you know, you, you don't necessarily need to be doing that every single day. Yes, it, yeah, exactly. And there's the, the challenges and kind of inefficiencies of also uh, working in an office environment as well, you know, including the commute time and also just yeah. general chit-chat that happens throughout the day. Yeah, the chit-chat. That can generally yeah. happen, right? But at the same time, you know, that's they can be important as well because, you know, again, we're not machines, right? So we don't kind of run maximally on maximal kind of efficiency just heading from meeting to meeting kind of un, un, unperturbed or anything like that you know obviously we need you know time to rest and recuperate and just think about you know, or just process information as well right yeah. so there's definitely kind of that kind of balance there but again you know at the end of the day it, it all really boils down to kind of trust and you you trust that your distributed workforce will get things done on, on specific timelines right so Mm-hmm. that's that's more important than say the output is arguably kind of more important than say you know the input how how people put in the work i don't know it, it, it's kind of interesting i guess like uh, the other thing that i was wondering about out of curiosity is uh you know why did you start the the, the 30 podcast in 30 days uh, initiative in the first place yeah well i mean obviously you mentioned earlier we met via matchmaker.fm this is a new platform that we launched uh it's about three four months old now oh wow um, yeah, it's yeah. relatively recently yeah and it's grown really really well so we're up we're nearly at 4000 users which is crazy considering we've probably grown by about 1000 users in the past month and you know the growth rates continue to go up and what's really rewarding for me as an entrepreneur is hearing the connections that people are making so the reason really with the 1330 challenge was obviously I want to kind of test the actual platform myself you know I I need to be using it actively and actually until that point I hadn't really been using it because I'd been too much focused on like looking at the product, looking at how we can onboard users and all the kind of the mechanics of actually, you know, launching right, behind a platform the platform like this right. to market. Yeah. So now I want to sort of see, I want to sit on the platform as a user and test it out, see what happens. And I've had great results from it, which is awesome. You know, I've met some fascinating people over the past uh, month. As I say, we're nearly, this week is, is the last week in the challenge. But the other reason as well is I want to create a piece of content. So I'm doing a two-part video series, which really explains how, uh, anyone can replicate this result. So, you know, if you're an entrepreneur and you're just like launching a product, you're looking to get some more exposure. If you're trying to grow your personal brand, if you perhaps are an author and you've just created a book, you know, going on the concept of a podcast tour, which is when you sort of do a focused effort to appear on, you know, X number of podcasts within be 30 days or 90 days or whatever, you know, is a really effective way of getting yourself in front of a big audience or, or, or several big audiences that perhaps otherwise wouldn't have been exposed to you and have no idea who you were. So 
yeah, this is this is one of the things I wanted to do is, is create a piece of content for matchmaker users and for people who are just out there in general thinking, well, how can I do this? Just showing the process of, of how to do this, how to actually uh, get booked on podcasts and, and the way, the, the, you know, the kind of behind the scenes looks of how I've done this and kind of some tips and tricks to kind of give you the edge over everyone else, I guess. I mean, it does help when you have your own self-contained platform for doing so. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I mean, that's the idea of Matchmaker. But then, you know, for example, um, I believe, you know, when I first reached out to you, I sent you a little video and just little things like that that you can do, which kind of will make you stand out from the crowd. That's true. Instead of just, you know, just another copy and pasted uh, message, right? The generic template that you send to everyone, right? So, yeah, absolutely. Again, you know, anything to really kind of stand out, especially for some of the bigger shows out there where, you know, they may be inundated with kind of messages on, on I, I want to appear and, and things like that. So definitely that's a, that's a great touch mm. when, I, when I saw it. Yeah, I mean, you know, and also it's, it's really interesting just the breadth of shows that we've got. And I think it's good to sort of challenge yourself. You know, if you're appearing as a guest on someone's show, you need to try and think about the host and what they want to achieve in their audience. So every, every podcast is different. So you've got to try and ta- tailor your message, your story, or, or, or your discussion around what the, the, the show is trying to achieve, as well as, you know, just thinking about what you're, what you're trying to promote. So I think, and actually talking, talking about introversy, you know, appearing on podcasts is a fantastic way to actually grow your confidence and grow your speaking ability. And because it's funny, you put yourself on the spot, it's kind of such an unusual situation, really, when you think about it, you record a conversation with yourself and a complete stranger for half an hour who you've never spoken with before. You know, that's, that's not something that's kind of very natural. Uh, but the more you do it, the more kind of confident you become in, in doing that. And, and also, I think those skills are so transferable to other situations as well. You know, going into meetings or doing public speaking on stage. And podcasting is a great platform to kind of get these skills. Yes, for sure. That's, that's, the, uh, that's the one thing that I've been mentioning to a few other people as well. That it's, it's a very, not only is it a very interesting medium to help with public speaking skills, but also it's a great way to... To, to network and to grow your personal brand as well. Mm-hmm. I think that, yeah. that's really kind of interesting. And even for me, you know, after uh, now to date, you know, what is this, June 1st, you know, I've recorded about 70 podcast episodes already. And, 70. and about 70, 70, right? And oh, wow. uh, for me, okay. it's, it's, it's been really interesting because, you know, obviously, you know, for the first few uh, episodes I've uh, recorded with basically my friends or whoever I knew already. But then when I started branching <laughs> yeah. out and joining, Platforms like Matchmaker.fm, uh, yeah. meet, meeting complete strangers, right? Or complete strangers have contacted me asking to be on the show. And that, for that, it's, it, it's really interesting because I'm talking to new people for the first time and then don't know them particularly well, well, you know, aside from their bio, right? Uh, or if at all. And uh, it's great because we're still able to have that, those same kind of impactful conversations because I've been able to grow out of my fears of just talking to new people and, uh, and for reaching out. So I think it's great. Yeah. And I think, you know, again, if, from your perspective as a podcast host, speaking to guests is great because the, the guests who you have on will generally share, share that episode with their audience as well. So, you know, like you say, for a networking opportunity, it's great. For growing your podcast, getting guests on board is a really powerful tool as well, because you know, sometimes you, you might reach out to a certain guest, they might have you know, several thousand followers on, you know, different platforms. So whether it be LinkedIn or Instagram, and if they're sharing that episode across their channels, you know, it's going to help build your audience too, right? Yes. And that, that and that's why, for example, I, I picked an interview kind of style over say just a solo show. Yeah. Those are much harder to, uh, so there are a few unique challenges to kind of both, 
you know, methods, uh, yeah. you know, with, with socials versus um, interview-based. And of course, like there are, there's the other alternative is having multiple hosts on the same show, right? And that's, that's an extension of the single host. Uh, so, you know, the main thing, yes, you know, obviously for, for interviews or interview-based podcasts, like you mentioned, you can leverage the other person's network to yep. uh, get exposure. But at the same time, you know, there's the challenge of kind of growing and, and building that unique audience of, you know, followers who come back episode after episode, because a lot of the time, you know, listeners will come for that one episode for that particular guest and then oh, never yeah. show up again. Right. Yeah, true. Yeah, I, I guess so. I mean, you know, but then obviously if you can capture one or two of those people, you know, or if you, you know, if there's say a thousand people who tune, if you can catch 10% of that, you know, and, and have them as scribes, it's still worth, worth the time, isn't it? Because ultimately if someone likes your, the style of your interview or you kind of say something that really captures their imagination, if you can get them to hit that subscribe button, you know, then it's worthwhile. Yeah, and I'm not saying that you can't, can't try it. You know, obviously, <laughs> you know, I'm still doing it, right? But yeah. But, but definitely, right, and if they kind of resonate, and, and uh, then they'll naturally follow kind of anyways. So just, you know, it, 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 it depends, right? And uh, I guess, like, you've had kind of a lot of experience in, you know, building audiences, I guess, through, through the businesses that you have. Um, mm-hmm. So how's that process like? And, and, you know, for me, at kind of the beginning stages of, uh, of that, right? Uh, yeah. What are some kind of tips and tricks for, uh, for doing so but building an audience in terms of um building an audience for a podcast or building an audience for a business or just both that's a good question uh, i would say both actually okay well for podcasting you know people always say this to me you know and it's funny because actually out of a lot of these podcasts that i've been doing over the past sort of month so many people are at the end of the show and they stop recording and say well have you got some tips for me how can i grow my audience uh, which i think <laughs> that's really interesting, interesting. Uh, I, I, i've asked this on camera now or, or on recording now so yeah so uh you know the thing is there is no magic source i think this is the thing i think people yeah assume, I, I, oh, this I, guy, there's no one size fits all yeah yeah there's, 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 i think people think well because because i've got podcast.co and matchmaker.fm i know some secret to suddenly hit your button and, and creating an audience of millions which like let's be honest there isn't i think like we already discussed having guests on and, and leveraging guests who have got audiences themselves is really powerful making sure that you're consistent and and, and also bear in mind that it's going to be a long-term game you've got you can't just launch a podcast and expect it to take off overnight unless you already have perhaps a, a big existing following so like for example we've worked with some youtubers who have got millions of subscribers or hundreds of thousands of subscribers those guys can launch a podcast and it will be successful overnight. yeah but you know if you're if you're trying to build a podcast for a brand or you're trying to build a podcast for your personal brand the main thing is think about the, the strategy the concept to begin with you know what problems are you trying to solve who is your audience you know what who are you trying to reach and why why should they listen to you and i think if you answer these questions before you start recording in the early days it gives you a big advantage because then you have so much more focus on the kind of content that you want to create and it doesn't mean that you have to be completely rigid and just record on one specific topic but i think you know having a unique spin and i kind of like you know this this concept you created for example you know digital introversy it's like well hang on, what does that mean that kind of immediately sparks curiosity yeah. doesn't it so Again, tying the title of your show into the concept behind it is, is important. You know, there's too many sort of self-titled podcasts out there. And yeah, so, I, I, didn't, I didn't want to do that. Uh, yeah. Time. I didn't want to you know, tie my name to it. Yeah, necessarily. yeah if, if, if you're Gary V, that's great. You know. Well, that's fine. <laughs> I mean, Joe yeah, Rogan. He's been doing this for but, years, so it's fine. Yeah. But like, I think, you know, if, 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 you, if you're trying to build a podcast and start with zero audience, 
you've really got to have a solid concept and something that's going to get people's attention. It's going to get people listening. And then about execution, you know, making sure you're consistent, trying to deliver value in every episode to your audience. And that can either be by your, by stuff that you've learned, or like you say, perhaps if you've got a co-host, it could be a kind of conversation between you. And interestingly for my podcast, the first season I started out just literally, there were like five to 10 minute episodes, really short form content of just quick actionable strategies, things that I've learned by being an entrepreneur. The second season was all about interviewing people. So I'm going to flip flop. So between each season, I'm going to do one season where it's just me and then one season where I'm doing interviews, you know, just to kind of keep it fresh and, and kind of to just make it a little bit different as well, I guess. But yeah, I think kind of going back to it is to say, once you've then start creating content, just making sure, you know, you're pushing out on social media, repurposing content, huge with podcasting. Don't just treat the podcast like an audio episode. Make sure you're taking out quotes up on social media. And again, some of the best podcasts I've seen and, and, you know, podcasts that I've been on myself and they will still post that episode now, like even if it was last year. So, uh-huh. you know, taking, taking old content and don't just let it kind of like sort of sit back there in the graveyard, you know, say if you recorded a podcast a year ago and you think it was really good, push it to your audience and just kind of remember to con- continually have this, this social media presence where you're reminding people to come and tune into you. I think that's really the, the key of growing and, and the secret to it. But if it is a secret, I don't think it really is. It's well, kind of widely knowledge, wide uh, sort of spread knowledge, but it's just actually about, about the execution. I think that's the main thing. Yeah. I think a lot of, uh, a lot of posts will, will naturally just know how to do things. Right. And, and they know, you know, they need to push it out on, on social. They need, mm-hmm. they know they, you know, need to leverage kind of the guest kind of audience. They know, you know, for example, to be, you know, consistent in, 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 in pushing out episodes, things like that. Yeah. Right? And at the same time, whether it's life or their own, you know, kind of mindset or, or whatever, that may be faced, like myself included, right? They, these may not be kind of followed to, to the T, right? To, to the best of their ability. And so it's important to, to think about how to get yourself to, to actually follow up and, and on kind of these best practices. Absolutely. Um, you know, one of the platforms I think that's the best for engagement and in terms of organic engagement is LinkedIn currently. You know, with the problem is with Facebook, especially with Facebook pages, you know, if you post, post something on Facebook, you get a, a tiny portion of your audience who actually see it, unless you actually have a budget to spend on boosting posts. Oh, yes. You know, it was very different three years ago, but nowadays this is just the way that Facebook changed their algorithm. And LinkedIn is currently the best platform for organic engagement. But what I find is really interesting is, so many people don't actually have a strategy to, to actually connect with people on LinkedIn. You occasionally you get connection requests yourself. But if you actually think about who your audience are and just try and build a bunch of connections, that's the best way of, of, of reaching those people. You know? So for example, I have been you know, for the past six months actively adding anyone who has got I'm a podcast host or a podcaster in their title, you know, trying to make as many connections as possible in that space. And because of that, you know, it's been a really good platform to onboard people to Matchmaker, you know, and obviously make connections and, and, and onboard customers to podcast.co. So, you know, being proactive as well um, and making sure you, that you're building those connections on the social media platforms, I think is really crucial. But the good thing about LinkedIn as well is you can actually seek out those people and make those connections. Whereas obviously with say the Facebook page, you have to send people to that page or they have to find that page and press like. So I still think LinkedIn is really, really good for this. Mm, yeah, for, for sure. And, and, and might I add, you know, for, for example, like LinkedIn has been particularly pretty useful for, for me, I guess, in terms of not only just for on the podcasting side, but just building a network in general and building yeah. a personal brand in general over the past few years. And, and like you said, right, it's, uh, 
it's very good for for organic engagement and and, and growth and, and things like that. <laughs> and kind of a testament to that, you know, with connecting with the right audiences. Uh, one of my other guests, you know, mentioned that, or one of the other prospective guests on the show for for the show has mentioned that he actually DM'd her uh, to to uh, for as an for an invite to to join Matchmaker. So I thought that yeah. was really interesting. Yeah, yeah, cool. I mean, that, that's great. You know, that's exactly what we want to try and achieve, I guess. Yeah, for sure. And uh, you know, definitely, like you said, you know, really connecting with others, you know, you know, on LinkedIn and, and engaging with the content moreover is pretty important as well. You know, again, mm. you know, I don't remember, you know, I remember kind of just many, many times people send unpersonalized connection requests and it drives oh, me yeah. nuts. This is the thing. If you just sit and wait for people to connect with you, like I used to do this, um, I've probably been on LinkedIn for 10 years and I've only really started using it as a sort of tool to actively engage as, and seen it as a marketing tool or a sales tool maybe over the past year, to be honest. But for many years, I'd sit there and occasionally someone would connect with me and it would normally be either someone selling recruitment services, someone selling offshore software development or something like that. And, uh, but I, was ne- I never really thought, well, hang on, why don't, I, why, why don't I be the one that's going out there and connecting with you know, podcasters or people in business who are thinking about starting podcasts, public speakers, that kind of thing? Because those are all our sort of target market. And, and I think LinkedIn has been really good for that. Yeah, no, for sure. And especially when you really are being proactive and kind of reaching yeah. out and, uh, you know, connecting with the right audience. And then, and like you said, you'll still get those people who want to sell you something on the platform. Yeah. But, you know, yeah. thankfully, that's been, that's been less and less. But occasionally, you know, it's, it's like when you're meeting someone for the first time uh, in real life, you don't go up to them and, you know, <laughs> say your name and then start selling or pitching their stuff to you, right? It's like exactly. it's not how you hold the conversation in real life. So why should why should it be different online, right? Yeah, I mean that, that's actually some like that's good advice that someone uh, someone who's sort of like a ne- networking expert said it's exactly the same. If you join a Facebook group or you know one of these LinkedIn groups, don't just start posting immediately. Just say, oh, here's what I've got to sell. Come and buy it. Because if you go to a networking event in real life, you wouldn't do exactly that, would you? You wouldn't stand at the in the corner of the room and shout, everybody like I'm blah 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 and buy this buy this from me. You know, you go and go up to people individually and start having conversations. And I think if you could do that within, you know, group environments, it's exactly the same. You know, just start making comments on threads. And when you comment on threads, people will like look at your profile and think, oh, that guy looks interesting. I'll connect with them, you know. So, 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 so that's it. It's just about having conversations, I think. Yeah, yeah. And you mentioned a good point about groups, you know, especially Facebook groups and, and LinkedIn groups as well. You, yeah. You know, I, I have seen kind of many, many groups do this well in terms of you know the first literally it's it's one of the very first rules that they have is no promotions right it's other yeah it is that's one of the first rules that every group has but but i always think though whenever you join any of these groups it just seems like well that's all it is just people promoting themselves and kind of yeah, it, it, in general or people or admins or moderators who don't bother to enforce the rules right so yeah it, it turns into just yet another group for spam right and yeah and yeah, no yeah engagement basically mm. And, and obviously I've, I've had experience with those kinds of groups and it's just, it's actually not that fun being in them, honestly, because you don't even look at them anymore, right? After a little while. Yeah. I mean, again, asking questions and um, prompting people to encourage them to, to have them to discussion is a really powerful tactic. You know, for example, I think, so I just recently ran a LinkedIn poll. Now I didn't even know you could read, like run LinkedIn polls. I think oh, that's a relatively new. newer feature actually that just rolled out. You know when it came out? Just last month or something. Right. I, I, still don't, I still don't have access to it. So they're still rolling oh. it out to users. Interesting. Yeah. And I, so, so I saw someone post one. I had no idea you could run a LinkedIn poll. So I posted a poll uh, last week. Again, my target market is podcasters. 
why did you start your podcast with four different options you know business right. marketing and branding to engage customers to make new connections or as a hobby just to kind of you know really i'm interested in seeing what people responded with right and actually as a hobby has had 45 percent. so linkedin you know most people seem to just see it as a hobby and then business marketing branding is 29%. But the most exciting thing about this is I've had like over 50 comments now, uh, you know, on this thread, just people saying, well, you know, I've, I've got, a, you know, just really kind of encouraging that discussion. And because obviously everyone has their own take on this. And right. the poll is really just to kind of, you know, it's a mechanism to then encourage discussion. But poll, because you, obviously you, you can only have so many options as poll answers and then people kind of disagree with the answers and then they'll put in their own two pennies on what they think it is. So, you know, if you've got a podcast on a specific topic, you know, make sure that you're actually engaging with your audience, asking them questions and getting their input. And again, I think that can be really good. And one of the things I'm planning to do with this is run a series of polls and use this to actually then go and create content. So create some videos or um, essentially record podcast content around the answers, you know, looking at right. the results, analyzing the percentages of, of the results, but then also going into what people have discussed in the comments and sort of because you can pull out, pull out all sorts of interesting nuggets from that information too. Yeah, so I guess, you know, that approach is really interesting. And again, it's, it's all about creating content from content. <laughs> so yeah, very, exactly. Yeah. Very, yeah. And it's, yeah. You know, I, I, it's easy for me because I don't have to spend loads of time doing research. I've got my research right there and I've got some really interesting, interesting perspectives and bits of wisdom that otherwise I might not have had because users have got different takes on things, you know? So, you know, if you can get a conversation going with your audience like that, I think it's really powerful. Any business, any podcast, it's just, it's just a really good thing. It's, it's conversation rather than just broadcasting sales and marketing messages. Yes. That, I think that's, that's important as well. It's, it's, it's kind of, real, it's kind of a similar tactic for any, any, business really is you know that format of, of talking to users getting their feedback and, and mm. iterating and improving right and for podcasts in particular right obviously knowing your audience is one thing but also having you know channels of communication of clear communication with the audience and knowing exactly what kind of content they want to see um, exactly is, is very very important and even for me you know if i've, I've recently tried to or, or, or have started doing this in terms of you know, for example, I have my own Facebook for the show now and, and for mm. related concepts. And I've been, you know, I, I've started a new kind of initiative of, of hosting these masterminds every week in, in terms of just talking about different topics as, as it relates to, you know, introversion in particular. So last week we had kind of our first discussion or mastermind on how to build a world-class network as an introvert. And so mm. I call these the as an introvert masterminds. And so this week is how to overcome self-limiting beliefs and then, you know, and, and, and how to start a business and, and the list kind of goes on and on. Mm. I think that, uh, you know, for me is, again, this is an experiment. I like to run kind of experiments and, and see what, uh, you know, people want to see and, and if people want to even attend these kinds of things in the first place. And, you know, obviously, uh, you know, the, I, I intend for these to, or, or to make these kind of small groups for now, where right? we'll mm. see, we'll see, if it works out, you know, over the next like four or four weeks, you know, that that's how I framed it. And, and uh, we'll see where it goes, right? And it's just kind of understanding your audience and, uh, mm -hmm. and growing that listener base. Yeah, I think, again, you know, everyone will have, if you ask questions like that, everyone's going to have their own perspective on, like, for example, I thought the one you mentioned just before, uh, was it how to, if you're an introvert, how to grow your digital presence? Was that, was that what it was? Um, well, it's, it, 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 it's similar. It's how to grow a world-class network. That's the... Yeah. But, but then, you know, I think that's the thing. Everyone's going to have their different perspective on how to do that. And, you know, quite often people will come up with stuff that you've never ever thought about yourself. You think, oh, yeah, you know, that's a damn good idea. So it, it, it's fascinating to see what you can do. And once you've got an audience, you can leverage that audience to do so many different things, I think.
Right. And, and again, you know, like you mentioned, kind of uh, creating content from content, that's the whole conception of the, of the mastermind sessions as well, because I'm planning yeah. to create video on the, on the topic, you know, uh, on, on how to create a world-class network, right. And, mm-hmm. and kind of taking, you know, the discussion and, and kind of my own thoughts and, and, and creating, you know, video content and, and then also, you know, through, you know, medium blog posts, for example, right. That's mm-hmm. kind of my idea right now of, of, you know, creating content around content. And I think that's, uh, it, it's really, interesting right so we'll, we'll, we'll see we'll, we'll see that where that goes again it's all about experimentation and iterating and, and seeing what the audience likes and, and things like that right and and like you mentioned right you know it's not necessarily good to be just a broadcaster <laughs> it's just kind of a one-way communication definitely two ways it is best sure exactly now i guess like you know kind of uh going back to kind of an earlier point i was just kind of curious to 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 know uh, what was the impetus behind creating a business at 16? For example, for me, like, you know, at 16, I was just, I was just <laughs> focused on my academics, right? And so what made you want to take that leap? To be honest with you, I've, I've always been involved in business in one way, shape or form. You know, I, I went off to university, but I used that time to actually grow my first ever company. Uh, so I think, you know, for me, I've, I always will be an entrepreneur. Like uh, this is a, this is part of like, who I am, it's kind of my fabric of, I'm always looking for opportunities. How can I make money here? What's the, what's the opportunity there? Or, um, you know, what problems can I solve in this market? So you can't do everything at once. And one of the things I've learned, you know, I used to be really bad for just coming up with ideas all the time and registering new domain names each week being like, oh, that's a great idea. But actually you've got to sometimes just focus on a few cool things. So obviously at the moment, I've got two different platforms, radio.co, podcast.co, and then plus matchmaker.fm now, which is kind of linked to podcast.co anyway. So, um, you know, it, it's, it's an exciting place to be. I think at the moment, podcasting has grown a lot over the past sort of three years. And I think there's still lots of opportunities to be had. And we're, we're, we're working in not only just the software side of things, but we're actually working doing various different production activities as well on behalf of clients, plus also, you know, producing some of our own podcasts. So it's a very exciting area to be involved in. And it's something, you know, that I really enjoy. Perhaps, yeah, that's really interesting because, uh, you know, the vast, I guess, like, you know, the vast majority of uh, the guests that I have, I've had on the show uh, so far are, are people who've started their own thing, actually, or a very kind of entrepreneurial yeah. nature, whether that's starting their own consultancy or, or coaching business or, mm. um, you know, their own startup or, or their own business. Like that. It's really interesting how uh, I've been able to attract this type of audience or, or at least this guest base. I think that that's you know where my audience will primarily lie. You know, introverts mm. who are ready to start the next great big thing, right, or, or yeah. start the next thing on their own. I think that's kind of really interesting. You know, is there kind of a correlation between uh, if you're you know introverted and, and want to start a want to start a business, or you know, is there anything that might be tricky? Because for me, you know, for example, mm. you know, I've, I've tried you know many kind of different things. I've tried you know I, I've I've done an I've done a nonprofit. Or I've done, or I tried doing a jam company. I tried doing, you know, a software business with that will help startups with their beta testing. And then uh, there's a whole bunch of things I've tried before. But uh, is there anything, you know, particularly that will help, for example, introverts succeed in in, in a business venture? I mean, I think you know, to begin with, you, you know, I I started out. I mean, as I mentioned, I was a kid in his bedroom. I was sat behind his computer, hiding away from the real world. I didn't really have to speak to anyone. You know, I didn't use the phone. I was just writing via email. And, um, you know, I think that you can test markets. If you're, if you're an introvert and you're really good at data and you can like, analyze where there are opportunities, 
you don't necessarily have to be extroverted to start a business i don't think you know i think you can kind of you can do stuff just by writing content and you can create a website you can use google adwords to drive traffic i certainly nowadays think it certainly helps to have a personal brand and i think you need to use video and be creating podcasts if you're running an online business but it's not necessarily a requirement from the get-go and look you can always hire other people to do that stuff as well if you don't feel like you want to be in front of the camera or if you don't feel like you want to be behind the microphone go find someone who's kind of more extroverted and get them to do that part of it for you hire a sales guy or a marketing guy or girl be the one who fronts that sort of side of things or find a co-founder who's who's going to be more um you know more comfortable being in front of the camera that's my take on it really you know you, you can e- you can even literally find people who who don't you know who who are freelance you know, who will record podcasts for you or who record video content for you. You know, I used to actually, um, a few years ago, I'd create videos, which would be like product explainer videos. And I knew how to edit video. But again, I didn't, I wasn't on the videos. I, I just hired a voiceover guy to, to record a voiceover. And I wrote the script for it. And then I'd edit it all together and kind of did a few animations to make it look all fancy. That was like in the early stages, how I used to produce video rather than being in front of a camera myself saying, look, check out our new cool software. <laughs> you know, get get someone else to read that script for you or just kind of make it visually really interesting. So yeah, there's there's lots of opportunities and lots of ways that you can start a business if you feel like you're an introvert and you're not necessarily ready to be the the kind of one going out there selling products and services. You know, you can you can leverage other people who are capable of doing that for you. That's a really interesting concept because, you know, when you think about uh, making video part- in, in particular, your kind of conception is that you have to be behind yeah. the camera or, or in front of the camera yeah, um, yeah. all the time and, and things like that. But you know, definitely hiring a voiceover person. That's interesting because also, um, you know, that's what people do, for example, for, for making intros to, to, to podcasts or, or whatever. And that's what I've heard from some shows. And uh, it's definitely interesting. Uh, uh, definitely something to consider for people just to hire out some things find freelancers you can do it you know there's loads of platforms out there like fiverr.com for example you know where you can get a bunch of people to do all sorts of things you know and it's really not that expensive um i mean obviously sometimes the results you get will vary greatly um, but that's where <laughs> that's where I, I remember i used to get the, the those videos i was talking about i was probably making these in like 2011 the voiceover i hired on fiverr I was paying him like $20 for each script I gave him, you know, and it was so cheap, you know, and then all, but then even if you don't know how to edit the animations or the video, you can find someone else to do that. So you can really assemble this just by, by hiring people on Fiverr. And, and um, you know, as long as you've got kind of a clear message and you've got a good idea of what it is you're trying to sell and what your audience want, that's a perfect platform to kind of to put that stuff together. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Definitely well said. And even, even for me, my podcast art actually, I, I got someone on Fiverr to do that for me. So. Yeah. It's, yeah, uh, yeah. You know, graphic design is something that I don't think will any, ever be my strength. So <laughs> <laughs> that's why, that's why, you know, I hire out and even for me, like if I'm making podcast images for social media, for example, that's all Canva, yeah. right? There's no, there's uh-huh. no kind of secret about that. It's just, it's just Canva. Oh, Canva's great. I mean, you know, again, it's, it's so easy. Like I, I, I've only kind of started using Canva like the last maybe six months and I've, I've used Photoshop. I've never been the best, graphic designer as well but i know how to use photoshop a bit rusty now whenever i open it up i sort of have gotten a lot of the shortcuts and stuff but i used to be pretty good at it you know but canva just makes it so easy it just feels like such a great evolution of a photoshop and you can just put things together very quickly you know and again if you want to test ideas or put together lead magnets for a website canva's perfect for doing that yeah yeah basically that kind of you know drag and drop uh, non-graphic designers kind of 
dream really and that's why you know the platform's great and again it, it's uh it's so there's so many tools out there now right that mm. uh, you know it's, it's easier than ever before to start a business I, I, mm. i'd argue as well again but at the same time because it's easier there's just more noise in the world as well right? and you have to stay yeah, For sure. There, there's a lot of competition. There's lots of people trying different ideas and there is more noise. And I think, again, even in the coaching and consulting and online courses space, you know, there's so much more competition there than there used to be 10 years ago. You know, I remember, you know, I used to follow quite a few online marketers about 10 years ago. And I, I learned quite a lot from them. But my goodness, like there's so many more people trying to sort of push that stuff out there now than there was. There are, there, yeah, yeah. The, the, the digital marketing consult uh, agencies and the consultancies and, and the coaching and the coaching businesses, you know, they've really proliferated and they're now a dime a dozen, right? And it's just, again, it's, it's all about, you know, differentiation and, and frankly, just the personal brand of whoever's running it, right? Mm-hmm. Is, uh, will push people or, or to, to get people to buy their stock or to resonate with their content or, or the way they deliver things. I don't know. Mm-hmm. But uh, in, in any case, you know, I really, you know, wanted to, to thank you again for, for coming on to, to the show and uh you know for reaching out on on your own platform and for again getting booked on all these shows congratulations again <laughs> thanks Lisa. thank you very much for having me on it's been a, been a really interesting conversation actually fantastic and uh you know very last thing i always mention always want to ask is uh you know if people are kind of more interested in in you know yourself and, and things like that where can they uh find you on sure yeah so you can visit us over on podcast.co if you're interested in starting your own podcast If you are interested in getting booked on podcasts as a guest or finding guests, the platform that we met on was matchmaker.fm. And finally, if you want to reach out to me personally, you can find all my social media channels if you go to jamesm.com slash connect. There you go. Thank you so much and we'll catch up soon. Cheers, Godwin. Thanks for having me. Thanks for listening to the Digital Introverts Podcast. If you liked what you heard, please consider subscribing and leaving a review wherever you listen to podcasts. Don't forget to follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at D-I-G-I-I-N-T-R-O-S-H-O-W and join the Digital Introverts Community Facebook group at D-I-G-I-I-N-T-R-O-G-R-O-U-P. You can also follow me on all social platforms at G-O-D-W-I-N-H-S-C-H-A-N. I appreciate everyone who listens to the show And let's change the world quietly.